this is Indian Noir. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 13 of Fear FM. There was a nervous energy in the air as Deepa and Anjali prepared to enter Drumanbaba's cave. Fingerlings of tree roots decorated the mossy surface of the rock face, and the sounds of bells and chanting echoed out of the passageway that led to the inner sanctum. What makes you sure he will help us this time round? Deepa asked. Just like we trusted your intuition to guide us through the Narakarnia forest, I am choosing to trust my feelings on this matter, Anjali responded. A week ago, Anjali had kicked down the door to Deepa's motel room and prevented her from overdosing on a cocktail of deadly drugs. While looking after her in the hospital ward, Anjali had a lot of time to search and connect with her inner self. She could not censor the inner voice which repeatedly asked her to reach out to Druman Baba once again for help. And this time, she would need to ask more of him. He will listen to us, Anjali said presently to a concerned-looking deeper. Anjali placed a reassuring hand on her friend's shoulder. Anjali's belief was confirmed when Druman Baba greeted them as if he was expecting their visit. They joined him on the floor of the cave, underneath flaming golden lanterns that swayed gently. Did you save Komal? Anjali asked. Baba nodded. Thank you, Babaji, Anjali said with folded hands. Now I must ask you to save one more person. Deepa looked confused as Anjali placed a hand on her knee and said to the Baba, I cannot defeat the Larchadale without my friend. And she is sick. The worst kind of sickness. The sickness of the soul. Baba said, looking at Deepa with compassion. Deepa felt a tingling sensation in her chest. She was taken aback by the abruptness of this request, but also moved at the same time. That word Anjali used, friend. It exuded the warmth and love Anjali had shown towards her at the hospital as she nursed her back to health. I will treat your friend, and I will help you both defeat my former student. Both tasks are not going to be easy. But it is preordained that I must perform this karma, Babaji said. Druman Baba shaped his fingers into a yam mudra and brought it up to his chest. He raised his eyes to the heavens and murmured quiet prayers. Then he said, It is all her will. Jai Shiva Shakti! There is a ritual which will appease my Kuladevata that may help draw out the poison of addiction from you, he said. I will begin the preparations at once. Deepa was reclining on a giant slab of stone carved into a rectangular bed. She was surrounded by small clay lamps resting on a bed of marigold. The air smelled of incense and flowers. 
She was dressed in red robes and cradled a blue lotus in her hands. Druman Baba and his two assistants, adorned in saffron robes and rudraksha beads, walked around the sacred space, uttering cleansing prayers. Anjali sensed that Deepa was restless with nervous energy. You will be fine, Anjali said. I realized something today, Deepa said. All those years we spent together as children and as young women, calling each other friends. We were never really there for each other. That word friend, it means so much more, yet we use it so casually. Would a friend have not called the child protection unit when I opened up about the abuse I encountered in my home? Would a friend not have come and spent time with me to help me heal, instead of throwing money at the problem and hoping that it would go away? Deepa shook her head and continued. And I was the same to you. I never bothered to ask you how you were, to find out what sorrows ate away at your heart, what made you anxious. I was too busy feeling sorry for myself and shooting up. I was not a friend to you either, Deepa said. And yet here we are, Anjali responded. Everything you said is true. But today is the culmination of a long journey we have made together and apart. Today I stand here ready to give up my life if it means my friend will be healed. Today the bonds of our mateship will be made stronger. Tears flowed from Deepa's eyes in response to Anjali's statement. My friend, she said. There is one last thing, Anjali said. I must tell you what happened to my daughter. Deepa wiped away her tears and gazed at Anjali with eyes that were eager for answers. Many years ago. Ashwini, come for dinner. Anjali shouted out to her daughter, who was glued to the TV set, watching Tom and Jerry. Coming, mummy, she responded. This is your final call. No resagulas for you if I have to shout your name one more time, Anjali said. Come on, little monster. Anjali's husband joined in on the encouragement. This was a special Diwali for Anjali. In her very first year as an assistant detective in the narcotics squad, she had brought down the notorious Biluram gang, the biggest heroin traffickers on India's western seaboard. And the gold medal that she had been gifted a week ago in a stirring ceremony at the police headquarters sat glinting in her display cabinet in the living room. When little Ashwini finally joined them at the dinner table, her husband raised the glass of whiskey he had been nursing for an hour and said to the great assistant detective Anjali for defeating evil and ensuring the triumph of light over darkness on this precious Diwali day. Ashwini, who looked cute in a blue frock with floral patterns, smiled and clapped excitedly. Anjali bowed like a performer to accept the adulation of her loving family. Then the gunfire began. It was in retaliation to my systematic dismantling 
of Billuram's gang. Obviously, I hadn't done a good job of cleaning up all of them, because they drove past my home and popped bullets into my family as I watched on helplessly, Anjali said. Deepa, who was still reclining on the bed of rock, listened tearfully. Anjali continued, My husband survived, but the marriage didn't. Because there was nothing left of my little Ashwini. Although Deepa could not physically touch Anjali, she reached out with her hand. Anjali did the same. Two women united in sorrow, two friends united in the face of personal tragedies. Baba and his assistants stopped their measured walk around Deepa. They rang their bells in unison. Then Baba grabbed a small lush neem tree branch from the floor. He blew smoke from an incense burner onto Deepa's body and used the branch to fan its coiling, writhing form. While the cleansing ritual was being performed on Deepa, Anjali reached within herself to restore her spirit. She was fighting along with Deepa to heal the poisonous wounds that had torn them apart and destroyed their lives. They were together in this fight. Vruman Baba stepped across the bed of marigolds and placed a pill that tasted like tamarind onto Deepa's tongue. He then closed her eyelids with a gentle stroke of his palm across her face and said, Your greatest battle begins now, child. Deepa slipped into a deep trance, aided by the tablet Druman Baba had given her, the ceremonial chanting, the stroking of the neem branch across her body, and the heady scent of camphor. Suddenly, she was in a cave system, much like the one that claimed poor Seema's life. It was filled with the sounds of dripping water and the chirping of bats and the rustling of their restless wings. A new sound interrupted the ambience of the cave. The sound of two individuals shuffling across to greet deeper. Her parents. Their forms had devolved into a strange and terrifying state, as if their bodies were made of wax. Their eyes were below their mouths. Their ears were on top of their misshapen heads. Deepa let out a scream. You must confront your past. Druman Baba's voice reached out to her through a veil of another reality. Deepa pressed her eyes close as a movie reel of abuse played in her mind. Her father beating her with his belt. Her mother verbally abusing her for not topping the model exams or for having boyfriends. Her classmates from ninth grade cornering her in the girls' toilets and molesting her. And finally, the disgusting, stinking visage of a relative grunting as he raped her. Delightful images of syringes and colorful pills flooded her inner vision like fast-moving clouds. It beckoned her. It greeted her like an old friend and whispered sweet promises. Sweet promises. 
Fight it, Dhruman Baba said. Say it, Anjali's voice encouraged her. Say that you love yourself. Deepa opened her eyes. Her parents were now speaking in tongues and gesturing wildly at their bellies. They lifted up their tops and urged Deepa to watch on as strange shapes protruded and roiled in their bellies, denting the loose, wrinkled flesh. Deepa felt nauseated. Then their bellies tore open. Deepa's parents greeted these eruptions with shrieks and howls of delight. Two heads that resembled the Lalchadale emerged, covered in gore and shit and curd-like matter. Deepa screamed in horror and backed away into the comfortable arms of her addiction, eagerly waiting to embrace her. Deepa, Deepa, fight it! Dhruman Baba's voice again. Love yourself, accept yourself, Anjali's voice said. Fight it, fight it! Love yourself, love yourself, conquer the self-loathing in your soul! The voices of Baba and Anjali mingled and echoed across the cave. Courage surged through Deepa's veins. Where there was self-hatred once, Floral bouquets of love blossomed. I will defeat you. I will be the master of my destiny, Deepa said. I will save those girls from your clutches, you vile demon. The two heads that protruded from her parents' bellies poked out a filthy blue tongue coated in needles and crystals of psychedelic substances. I reject you, demon. I reject you as I reject my own addiction. Deepa said, as she stepped forward and lashed out at the forms of her parents with wild punches and kicks. The putrid forms screamed in rage as a darkness swallowed them, and Deepa fell into the same darkness. It was a bottomless pit. She fell and she fell for what seemed like hours, and when she opened her eyes, she was back in Baba's ashram with her beloved friend Anjali. And she was healed.